0: Regret is one of the biggest problems that salespeople have after they walk away from a deal they didn't close. They start asking themselves, how come I couldn't close a deal? Why didn't I close a deal? What could I have learned? What could I have done better? And the thing is, there's a lot that you could do to close a sale that you would have lost. You just have to get the right direction. And the good thing for you is, I have a whole bunch of it right here for you. You just got to be willing to be uncomfortable and you got to be willing to implement. Let's get started. Every single message you deliver is really a sales call. Either you are selling or being sold. Salespeople love to brag about their skills. And the truth is, your success in closing sales depends on your skills, your abilities, and finding the right training. And the great news is, you have come to the right place here at the How to Sell Show with your hosts, Dale Bell and Scott Silvenbell. And be sure to join the party at howtosell.live and download your copy of the 10 common mistakes salespeople make. Aloha from Sacramento, California today. Today's an amazing day. We're gonna talk about how to close a sale you would have thought you would have lost. And to begin with, I want to ask you an important question. How do you know you would have lost the sale? And I really want you to think about that. There's times where a company will say, Hey, I need you to come right with a salesperson, or I go right with a salesperson, we get into the conversation. And they start telling me about the deals they could have won. And I start inquiring, asking questions, drilling in and saying, why, how, give me some example, share with me. And it usually comes down to like some phantom event that could have taken place. And I start asking about what action did you take? What did you do? How did you do it? And usually what ends up happening is it ends up being a story without any type of resolution. They're like, well, I could have done this. And It could have been a close, it could have been some sort of question, it could have been a word track, it could have been something, but they chose to do nothing. So today, since it's an amazing day, I'm going to take that excuse away from you. So how do you know? How do you know you could have closed the sale? I could have closed it. Now, with as many ride-alongs that I've been on, there's times where I ride with a salesperson and I'm riding co-pilot and I watch the presentation and the deal doesn't close. And I do the Colombo close, right? I stop for a second. I go, hey, wait a minute. I sat here. I watched this entire presentation and I look at the buyer and I'll say, hey, it seemed like this was something that you wanted. Now look at the salesperson. And say, it seems like you have something that this buyer needs. Where is, where's the bridge falling down? Where's the gap? How can we fix this? And sometimes that conversation will bring people around. They'll say, well, I have this objection and I become like the mediator. Well, tell me what that objection about. And the buyer will look at me like, where, where did you come from? You've been sitting here playing on your phone the whole time, not paying attention to the presentation. And I'm like, exactly. Like I'm watching the ping pong match going back and forth. And I don't understand. You seem like you want it. You seem like you need it. Sales guy has it. What's the holdup? And sometimes it's just a matter of having the questions and the stories like that. You, you could just say, hey, look, seems like I got everything that you want. I got what you need. Let's just do some business. Today, I'm going to give you some different options on how to make that happen and things that you can say, but, but, but you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. You have to take the the heat for a few minutes. You have to be able to say, all right, for a few seconds, I can, I can get past the fear of looking dumb, get the fear of looking silly, the fear of being rejected by a buyer. And with that being said, how many objections deep can you really go? How far, how, how many objections? Uh, one of the the things that I would do when I was a sales manager is I would bring guys in, girls in, whoever was new to the sales world, and I would give them training. I would give them coaching. And I would say, before you can go out and sell, you got to be able to go 10 objections deep in front of the entire sales team. And the entire sales team is going to vote if you should be out on the field, on the floor, out there closing deals. And if they don't think that you can be out there, then you're not going to go sell. And conversely, When the salespeople say, yeah, I believe that this sales guy or the sales girl can go close deals, you don't get to complain because you voted, right? And so how many objections deep can you go? Did you know that the average salesperson can go three? Exceptional salespeople can usually go five to seven. There's a reason why I picked 10. And I've got a whole process of building out an objection builder and having conversations. And the whole thing is, is people usually get that confused. They're like, hey, Scott, all these closes are built on pressure. All these closes are somewhat old school sales and I'll say yes and you're not going to use them this way because by the time that you get past being able to overcome 10 objections, you're going to have so much comfort you won't have to do it. You'll have to do it in the sales room, but for the most part in meeting with a client, in meeting with a buyer, you're never going to have to use it because you're going to be so comfortable with what's going on, you're going to be okay. So when I said be comfortable in being uncomfortable, this is what I mean. Take the heat outside so it's really easy to do inside. Meaning take the heat in the in the office so that when you're meeting with a buyer, it's really easy. Something to remember too, people buy even when they're angry. It's an emotion. Sometimes people say, I can't sell this guy or this girl right now. They're mad. We'll we'll leave the office. We'll we'll go out in the hallway for a second just to to regroup, to figure out what's going on and see what we could do. We'll put a pause or a, a mute on the on the phone call or on the Skype session or the Zoom session and we'll turn the volume off. I'm like, where are you at? What's going on? Oh, I, can't, I can't sell this guy or this girl. They're mad. Like, close them anyway. They're not going to buy them. Like, yeah, they are. You just got to ask them for the sale. Sometimes people will say, well, like, you know I'm angry. I'm like, yeah, that's not going to stop you from making a purchase, is it? And sometimes people will just be like, yeah, you're right. I got to get it done. And sometimes it just comes from your certainty. So there's things that I've seen. There's things that I've seen. And because I've ridden with so many salespeople and I've watched so many presentations, some of these may be counterintuitive. Some of them, you'd be like, are you serious? I never would have guessed that. And I'm cool with that, right? I'm here to share. I'm here to give you some information. One, you got to get used to pressure. And the thing is, is sometimes people don't understand that some sort of pressure is necessary. A time limit is pressure. A time limit is a constraint. Any constraint by nature is going to put pressure on somebody. And sometimes people are like, well, I don't want high pressure, well, there's nothing wrong with asking for a sale. And if someone's going to be mad that they're like at the beginning of a presentation, they're like I don't want to be asked for the sale. And like, I'm kind of like a, a smart aleck. I'll be like, so you don't want me to ask you for the sale? I'm like, no. So like if I said, let's go ahead and get this taken care of, you would tell me no. And they're like, well, I don't, I don't know yet. Sometimes it's out of nervous energy. Sometimes people really don't know what they don't know. And if you treat an objection, like it is an objection, maybe it's not. Maybe it's just that person talking, but like, at least have a conversation, ask them some questions Two, have a sense of calm and certainty. Panic hurts your sales process. Panic hurts your sales process. I've heard this analogy a couple of times. I think I heard it from Jim camp. Okay. I think I heard it from Jim camp. And the question was, if you're a fighter pilot and you got eight seconds to live and your plane's going down, how much planning do you do? And the answer is, you plan for seven seconds, and you use the last second to use your maneuver. I thought that was pretty dang interesting. So hopefully, I'm I'm given the right attribution that that was Jim Camp that said that when in one of his trainings. I think start with no. One of the things that that you may not see and you may not realize, and this is why you really do need to video your sales presentation, is when you're under stress and under pressure, your body language is no longer fluid. It's really jerky, and so people may not like there's a lot of ways that you could tell if somebody's under pressure and if they're freaked out, okay? One is going to be the way that they speak. Two is going to be the nonverbal communication that you see that that your brain's like, eh, something's wrong here. Don't know what it is. But closers are usually very fluid with the way that they talk. They're usually very fluid with their body language, meaning it's not jerky. It's just very certain. Here's what we can do. Here's how we could take care of you. Number four, timing. There is a count. There is a count to... How much time should be in between you ask a question and the reply? And depending upon the stress, depending upon the question, I'm going to peg it at three to five seconds, three to five. Now you wouldn't know that unless you sat through a presentation. You wouldn't know that unless you rode with a bunch of closers, but most responses are three to five seconds. And underneath the table, I'm tapping my foot, right? I'm like, I got the timing going two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, ask the question, close it deal. Yep. That's what it is. Three to five seconds. So there's some things that you can do. I'm going to give you multiple ideas, and I want you to find one outside of your comfort zone and become comfortable with it. It means you're going to have to put in some work and effort. I can't just say, go out and do this, and you're going to go out and try it and roll it without putting any practice to it. That would be irresponsible. But I want you to find the most uncomfortable thing on this list for you and and role play it. It may not be like super uncomfortable for some people. It may be like, well, I don't know if I'd ever do that. Well, try it and role play it and see how you can make it happen. I found that the average amount of times that you have to say something to get it used to the way you would do it is about 10 to 15 times. So if I give you a word track, it may take you 10 or 15 times to say it. The really good people will practice it 20 or 30. The exceptional people will practice at 50. And then the exceptional people will do it on video and listen to it to see how it's going. Okay, When you take a look, ignore the first objection that could be one option that you use. So I worked with this plumber, Nate, and Nate came to me. He's like, Scott, I want to increase my income. What do I got to do? And I said, you know, show me what you're doing to close right now. And the first objection that I gave him, I was, I want to think about it. And I I told him, I said, here's what you do. You ignore the first objection. And he goes, I can't do that. People will be mad at me. I said, you asked me for help, Nate. I'm going to give you help. I'm not going to tell you anything that's going to cause you problems. you may get some people who say, you're not listening to me. And you're going to have some people who go, yeah, absolutely. So this is exactly what I told Nate. So you're getting some free coaching here on the How to Sell show. So uh, Nate is a plumber. Nate says, hey, I can get you a water heater. Uh, The 50-gallon water heater that you got right here is uh, $3,900. And I'd like to take care of it for you right now. And people say, I want to think about it. I said, Nate, here's what you say. Yeah, I could take care of it right now for you. And he said, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. I said, Nate, (laughs) Do you have belief that I'm going to show you the right thing to do? And he says, yes. And I said, okay, today you're going to go sell a water heater and you're going to meet with somebody. And the person's going to say, I don't want to do it today. It's too much money. They're gonna give you any objection. doesn't matter. Any of the, like the, the seven common ones that you're going to face. Just here's what you say. Yeah, I get it. I'll sit, I'll still take care of it for you. So he calls me later on that afternoon. He's like, holy crap, that worked. I said, Nate, like, I'm not going to lie to you. I'll tell you what's going to work and what's not going to work. On this list, tell them what you believe and why you want to do business with them. Then ask for it. Somebody says, hey, uh, I really want to think about it. You go, you look, look. I completely understand. I hear exactly what you're saying. I know why you need this product or widget. I know why you need this, this gizmo. And here's the reason why it's going to help you. Reason one, reason two, reason three. Let's go ahead and get started. Okay. Yes, old school sales, 100%. I get it. And there is some form of pressure to this. Like I said, pick the one that's most uncomfortable to you. Number three on the list is going to be questions. Questions. Who, what, when, where, why, how, and should. Like you can figure some of those questions out, but I would give you two to focus on. Focus on what and how. And how you say these questions really does matter. So you really do need to practice them. Why will get you in trouble? Why sounds like a little kid. Why, 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 why? Okay. So, uh, what are you going to do when things go wrong? What's your backup plan? How are you going to deal? Like, these are all implication questions. How are you going to deal with the problems when they arise? Okay. How, how could you do that and wait and find success with, with the time that you're putting in between? Take the question, modify it. I don't necessarily know what you're selling based upon me talking into a microphone today. Okay. One of my favorite questions is if blank happens, then what? So people say, hey, Scott, like, I really don't want to do training right now. It's going to cost. I say, okay, so if you don't make any sales and they don't increase over time, then what happens? They're like, well, then I'm going to be in a world of hurt. Like, well, can you pay for it now? And they say, yeah. I say, okay, well then let's go ahead and get you started. I could be out here next week. I could be out there next month. Let's just get this taken care of here. You know, forward me some money. Give me a credit card. uh, Send me some gold in the mail. I don't know, whatever it takes. For you, you may have to start looking for questions to ask, and I'm going to give you a formula. You're like, Scott, I don't know what to do. I'm going to take away that objection. Here's what you do is you watch some drama movies. You watch drama movies, and at the height of drama, start looking for questions or start looking for a statement that you can turn into a question, and it's free training for you, and you get to watch a good movie. You get to watch a really good movie. Drama movies by nature, usually at the point of a fight between a spouse husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, partner in a, a police car and a cruiser, there's usually a question and you're like, ooh, no way I could use that in my sales process. If you think through it, so for me, like if I'm watching a movie and I hear something good, I pull out my phone and I put my phone number in and I text it to myself, or I have a, a list of Microsoft Word on my phone that I can pull up from the cloud and I might type it in. It just depends upon like how much time I've been at the movie theater. I really don't want to go searching through the cloud to go find the document. So I'll just text myself real quick. Okay, so there you go. You could create a swipe file from this information and modify all the questions and the stories that you get to fit your need. Next on the list, bringing up stories as stories. Explain how somebody had the same problem and it caused more problems. You know, the feel, felt, found method is, I understand how you feel. Many people have felt the same way, but what they found by using my product is this is what happens. I'm like, nope, 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 not enough drama. Like, here's what happens. Look, I got to tell you a story. Somebody was in the same position you were last month. They waited, it caused more problems, and they just had to pay me more money. Do you want that to happen to you? No. Okay, let me get you started. And people say, you can't ask somebody a no question before you ask them a yes question. Let's say, yeah, you can. It's a reverse set. Like, if you understand how questions work and how they actually are a form of agreement, you could ask somebody a whole bunch of no questions and then get them to say yes. So, like, don't get caught up in some crazy old school sales training that tells you you can't do that, Right? No, yes, maybe. Like you can't. You can always explain it as a success story. You could say, hey, look, here's what happened. Somebody had this problem, and this is what happened for them. Testimonials should be used to overcome objections. I'm going to give you a secret from copywriting somebody has an objection. And they're like, I want to think about it. You should have a testimonial that says, I thought about it. And it was the dumbest thing that I ever did. I wasted time chasing business from 47 other people, talking to 50 people, waiting for bids, talking to people, you know, getting confused. And at the end of the day, you know what I did? I went with Scott because Scott was able to be the voice of reason in the time of uncertainty. Right? It, it could be that. Hey, look. I will be your voice of reason in a time of uncertainty. You're confused. You've got a bunch of questions. Nobody else is going to sit and take the time with you. You can't outwork me. You can only underbid me. How much time you need? I'll move my schedule around. It seems like you got more questions. I Hey, that's my job. I'm here to help. Everybody else is going to run because they're worried about getting into the next sales call. I could care less. You're the only person I'm meeting with today. You're the only person that matters to me. Aren't you busy? Yeah, I'm busy. But you know what? Right now, it's only you. And so like sometimes what it comes down to is people get so caught up in like, I got to get to the next sales call. Like they get, they get wrapped up and I got to talk to somebody else. Hey, if I'm with a buyer, I have this belief, dance with the one that brought you. Don't get caught up in all the other people, leave those people out of it. If you're with a buyer and they're ready to make a purchase, you sit there and you make that purchase. Too many times when I was in sales, it would be like perfect conditions. And in my brain, it'd be like, I got another sales call. I got to run. I got to get out of here. And I'd end the appointment. And I'd never get back in front of that person. They'd buy from somebody else. I kicked myself. And I finally said, nope, from here on out, if I'm with a client, I'm going to give myself enough time to sell. And there was a point where I was working for a company and they wanted to give me five sales call a day and I couldn't run five. I could run four. And they would say, well, like we want to give you five. And I said, no, give me four. I'm going to close 75% of them. Give me five. I'll close 50% of them. Do the math. And sure enough, played out that exact way that I told them, like, Hey, like I know my numbers. I need time. There's a point where I have too much time, but for a day, that's all I can do. It's, I'm not going to do anymore. You can have closes and word tracks. I'm going to give you my list. I have a whole episode of this on the How to Sell show that'll really help you out. Episode 73, 12 easy word tracks for new and struggling salespeople. Like, it's not hard to find these, and I'll give you a really quick rundown on what they are, but you can go to the, the episode and learn all of these word tracks that are my go to. So, the first one's my biggest concern. My biggest concern is if you wait, you're gonna have more problems. It's like a cavity in a tooth, doesn't get better, gets worse. Number two, why don't we do this or how about we do this? Hey, I gotta think about it. How about we do this? Let's just get you started. Number three, either way you're gonna pay, either way you're gonna pay, either you're gonna pay right now or you're gonna pay later. You might as well pay today. Future value of money is gonna cost you more in the long run. When's procrastinating ever made anything better? Let's get you started. I have an idea of what we can do to help you out. What's your better solution at this point? Looks like you're giving up a lot only to get a little. It's not going to help you in the long run. I don't know if that's the best solution for you, but I do know it is. If you go that route, you're going to see a train wreck in slow motion. You're going to want to cover your eyes. You could, but why would you want to when you could do this instead? Things don't get better from here. They only get worse. And that's perfectly fine and normal. See, like you have 12 and I go in depth on them on episode number 73. Last on the list, follow up. You want to close more deals? Follow up. The average salesperson has one follow up. And I make fun of this all the time for a reason. Hey, I was just calling to check in and see if you're ready to make a purchase or if you have any other questions. Like, no, where's your update? What's, what? Tell me what I'm g- going to lose out on. Know that your follow up skills just by increasing them a little bit will net you a lot. By increasing them a significant amount, you'll close way more deals. The fortune is in the follow up. I do have an episode on that too. Episode 35. So sometimes people will say, hey, you know, I, I went with a competitor. I went with uh, this person. I went with that group. Hey, cool. Well, Besides the money, why'd you go with them? I want to exclude the money because that's going to be, always be the, the option. Like, no, no, no. Like, there, there had to be another reason. I had a guy say, hey, Scott, you're a jerk and I don't like you. And I said, okay. Well, besides that, why else? And I was able to go like three or four objections deep with him and figure out what was going on. And I found out the guy wasn't going to be a good fit. If he thought that I was a jerk just from having a conversation, I was like, man, like your salespeople are going to be in for it because I'm, I'm very pushy. I'm very difficult when it comes to sales training. The reason for it is I want it to be more difficult in the training than it is to meet with a buyer, to meet with a client, drop by if possible. If you're in a, in an industry where you could drop by, if somebody made you come out and speak to them for a while, why not make it uncomfortable and go speak to them? Why not find out what's going on? Sometimes they're going to dodge you with the gatekeeper. Sometimes they're going to meet you face to face. People tell me it's a waste of time. And I'm like, no, anytime you could gather information and intel on why you didn't close a deal, it makes your life so much easier. It might be uncomfortable, but it makes your life easier. And you ask them the question besides the money, why'd you go with XYZ? What happened? How could I have helped you out? You know, tell me, tell me where I missed. And there's been times where people said, well, you know, you offered a solution that we didn't need. My fault, my fault, 100% my fault. Like I got to own that. And there's going to be times where you're like, oh, punch in the gut. But if you're smart, you won't make the mistake again. Last on this list, send a gift. Every time I go to Oahu, I send out a box of chocolates, coffee, uh, and a bunch of candy. And it comes in a big box. And I'll tell you that it cost me between $50 and $70 to send one of these boxes. But I'll tell you what, you want to grab somebody's attention, you send them a gift. And if you need to get somebody to get a call back to you, find a way to send them something cool. Find a way to send them something amazing that they're like, hey, that was pretty darn cool. I really like it. Hey, can we get this conversation going again? I sent a box to a person that was an author that I was trying to get uh, for an interview. And they ended up calling me saying, hey, Scott, who the heck are you? And this box of, of coffee and candy is amazing. Let's have a conversation and it netted a good client. You can close a deal you think you would have lost. You just have to live outside of your comfort zone. I, I met this guy, I don't know, I want to say 2008, 2009. And his name was Ken Wood. And Ken was selling heating and air. And back in 2008, 2009, $2 million was a big amount of money for heating and air. and I think he sold like 2.2. And I went to dinner with this guy and I was picking his brain. I was asking him all sorts of questions. I said, Ken, what was it you did? And he goes, I figured out how to ask one more question. And I said, well, what was the question that you asked? And he goes, that's what you got to figure out. And it was like one of those conundrums where I'm like, I just bought you dinner, punk. Why aren't you giving me the goods? He was giving me the goods. He was giving me the hint. I just wasn't reading between the lines. The question that you're going to have to ask is the one that you're going to have to figure out. And I can't tell you which one that is. I can give you a bunch of different items. I can give you a bunch of different solutions. I can give you some some pointers and say, go this direction. But what's going to happen is you're going to have to get out there and you're going to have to face it on your own. And sometimes you're going to make mistakes. Sometimes you're going to get people who are uncomfortable, and there's going to be times where people say, "Heck, yes, let's do it, let's close it. If you wouldn't have stuck in the game and asked one more question, you, you never would have netted the deal. You just have to live outside of your own comfort zone. Everything you want is on the outside of your comfort zone. You want to get a significant other and you're scared to ask somebody to go out on a date. good luck. I want to promise you, it takes a lot of courage to go out and be willing to face rejection. I do not want to give anybody bad information. I will say, hey, look, try something new. Try it in role play. Do it 15, 20, 30 times before you go out and roll it. Don't be irresponsible and waste time and and waste a a new close or a new process on something you haven't practiced. In the world of sales, leads are expensive. You can get everything you want if you can figure out a way to close the deal if you would have lost. And a lot of times that comes from you stepping outside of your comfort zone. You got to do it. Thanks for checking out this episode of the How to Sell Show. You can join the party at howtosell.live to get the show notes, links, updates on new episodes, recordings of previous episodes, articles, as well as videos. You may not know this sales secret, but sharing this episode with a friend will bring you good luck. See you soon. Mahalo.